the KB Chronicles, the series of outlandish events. <laughs> Stay curious. Stay, <laughs> Stay curious. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Welcome back. Yep. Bro, this took yep. me forever. I, I, everyone... I took a deep dive into Hungarian politics, and if you have never done that, don't, <laughs> because it was just really tumultuous around, like, well, the World War, you know, it was in that area. Ooh, so we're, that was a hint. That's a hint of Hungar- Hungarian, Hungarian, oh my god, Hungarian culture. That's gonna be Hungarian fun. government. Ooh, that's because I got distracted, you know, like you're doing your thing and then you fall down a rabbit hole. Because I'm just like, what the hell? Like, this is not real. Literally, I, I do want to point out, though, um, I have pulled up on the big TV in front of my face right now. Um, all the episodes we've done and the last episode was supposed to be published um, after we publish um, our cryptid episode, the Dolby Spook. We had, um, can I just say the title of it since it never got aired? Yeah, the title's fine, I guess. It, it's unfortunate. Well, you know, you, we, don't do some, we had a surprise. We had an episode. We recorded it and everything. It just got corrupted somehow. It was about a certain French man that did some funny things. Yes, right. and he, he was a funny man. <laughs> funny man <laughs> the same and unfortunately i i wish i wish that the episode did not get corrupted because i think it was one of the best episodes we recorded it in was my opinion interesting i think i it still was, have the notes in my note my notebook um i think that we should definitely cover it because i don't remember it that day we recorded three episodes of that felt like a fever dream. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. I remember we just kind of, I kind of fell off because I was like, I just spent so much time explaining those. I and know. And it was a long felt, episode. And I felt so bad because it was a good episode. And that, was, that would have been history four. And it would have been episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight nine that would have been our 10th episode well now this is our 10th episode Ooh, yes it is episode special Ooh, i am so excited because we have not done this since december it's a funny <laughs> one it's a funny one is it funny i love when you do the funny ones well history is so funny like everyone gets caught up in the seriousness and you know what there are you know that's important <laughs> but there's a little <laughs> bits, little nuggets in there that you're just like no way no way i no way. I am so excited. So, do you wanna do you wanna take the reins of this episode, Bailey? Yes, yes, I, I would. I would love to take the reins of this episode. Okay. <laughs> so have, you, <laughs> have you ever heard of the painting? It's an avant-garde painting. Oh, whoa! <laughs> what did I just say there? What the hell? We're gonna really that. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever oh, heard? Boy. Have of the avant-garde painting Sleeping Lady with Black Vase. Sleeping Lady with Black Vase? Yes, a very elaborate and beautiful title. No, am I allowed to look? No, look don't it look it like, up, Peter. Like 
I just want to look at the paint. No, because you'll get it. You'll get you'll get what I'm talking about because it's very much like a crazy. <laughs> okay, I trust you. You'll definitely. I know you can't because you'll see a picture. Of <laughs> okay. No. I, I, after you're done, after you're done with the whole story, I'll look it up. I'll send you a picture. I have a picture saved, and it it's funny. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Bet. Um, yeah. So it's by the Hungarian painter Robert Bereni. Bereni. I don't know if, saying that, if I'm saying that right. It's Hungarian. I am not. So I'm sorry to that man. <laughs> um, so he was like this man, right? He was like a painter, specifically Hungarian. And he, oh, the time frame. So he was born in 1887 and he died in 1953, both in Budapest. This man was Hungarian through and through. Down in Budapest, yeah. My, yeah. My golden grand piano. We love Joy Desro. We really do, though. That's a good song. Okay, sorry. <laughs> song break. <laughs> <laughs> song break montage. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he was, he's considered the leader of this, like, pre-World War One avant-garde movement. And he was, like, part of this group that was called, I think they called themselves this, which is kind of metal because, like, it was, like, all these artists just got together and were, like, yo, we're in a group now. And we have, like, like the Avengers, <laughs> but they're just, like, avant-garde <laughs> And they called themselves the Eight. So yeah, so these Avengers were like, um, they were responsible for introducing Cubism and Expressionism into Hungarian art in the earliest 20th century, before World War One. So this is like 1900s to 1913. And I'm assuming okay. it's around this time that he made Sleeping Lady with Black Vase, but I didn't find a specific date for when he made it. So, may I ask a question? Yes. Is this, so, is this painting, is it, I, I know that you said cubism. Is it cubism? No, it's a... Is it? Okay, because, um... Of, you know, wonky. <laughs> One of those uh, wonky. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited, I'm very excited to see it, because... The painting itself is nothing to write home about. It's, <laughs> sorry to Robert, <laughs> that's like no way oh my gosh i'm sorry that took me so long i was reading my note and all i have here is used art in and it looked like potatoes <laughs> and i was staring at it forever trying to decipher it but it's used art in politics he uses oh politics, politics. okay yeah, not so, potatoes but politics yeah and this is why i fell down the rabbit hole because hungarian politics was like metal back in like the early 20th century like around the world wars but i guess like whose wasn't it was just like a really turbulent time in that part of the world specifically yeah but it was it's still it's still really i had to like double check on everything because it was almost like nothing was really solid because it was so fast-paced okay i'm gonna stop preambling this i'm just gonna get it through. no it's okay <laughs> I, like i don't mean to interrupt you again but it's like it's so weird to think about how like in art history and like of course like obviously like you're gonna be telling us the background like what happened with this but like how in different areas and cultures art like has affected it and, like, mm -hmm. during movements and um, just, like, 
you know, with expressionism and uh, post-impressionism, cubism, just like how all those kind of art movements affect different cultures and how they perceive it. So I think that's like really cool. And I know it has really nothing to do with probably the backstory behind this painting, mm-hmm. but just just keep that in mind, like, you know, yeah, culturally no, affected think- differently. I mean, like, I, like, cause I, I study anthropology. Like, that's one thing that we talk about a lot. And as yeah. soon as we start getting into like modernish times, it's really cool. I was just yeah. having this discussion with myself <laughs> today. I was trying <laughs> to take a nap, but I couldn't like quiet my head. So I was just laying there, and I was like, you know what? All roads lead to anthropology, and I, I started playing this game with myself. Oh I no! Like, I was like. Name one area of interest, and I could easily explain it away as to how it fits in anthropology. And I went through like, <laughs> so many. I was like construction, and I was like a means of trade dating back to the Silk Road. We get like I literally went oh, through like boy. looking at construction and like our like roads and stuff, modern to ancient is like, and yeah. So I did that today. You, you really did go down that road, didn't you? Yeah, and that's <laughs> honestly. It doesn't surprise me. It does not surprise me. <laughs> All roads lead to anthropology. Any any major, it, it leads to anthropology. I, yeah, I know. I couldn't disagree with you because you are completely right. Business leads to anthropology. The study, the study of people and things. That That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that was my shameless plug for anthropology. <laughs> And a shameless um, look for art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, in 1919, he was making posters for like the current move political movement at the time, which was called the First Hungarian Republic. And this is where it gets weird because some places, you know, only Wikipedia, and I don't trust Wikipedia. You know, I love Wikipedia, but that's <laughs> half of my facts my conspiracy episodes come from wikipedia <laughs> i mean like i do enjoy wikipedia as a source but they were like it was they told me it was the hungarian democratic republic and i've never heard that term before so like that's where i got really confused yeah huh. i was like what anyways that just got really convoluted i made that confusing for no reason i'm sorry listen <laughs> so in 1919 brandy was making posters and like just propaganda I'd say but propaganda tends to have a negative connotation so I just like to say he was making like advertisements and stuff for his current political movement at the time which was the first Hungarian Republic um this was a very brief period as it only (laughs) lasted like four months if I recall correctly here's the cool thing it was established in the aftermath of the dissolution of Austria-Hungary so like that was oh. yeah so after world war one that was kind of done away with and so that was the first like official government movement that wasn't a monarchy that came in and so that's why it was interesting and that's why this period is really tumultuous because they were moving from this from austria-hungary to from this like monarchy to a more like people governed political party i suppose is how you could say that so yeah. they replaced the Kingdom of Hungary with the first Hungarian Republic. And then after that, it was quickly replaced by Hungarian Soviet Republic. 
And here, so what I got confused about was I would say, okay, Hungarian Soviet Republic is clearly communist, but was the first Hungarian Republic communist? Because some people, sources were calling it the Hungarian Democratic Republic, and to me, that does not scream communism. I mean, like, we're technically a democratic republic. Yeah. And so I don't think that's what it was called. I don't think that's what it should be called. I think that was like some sources mainly Wikipedia was confused because the first Hungarian Republic was like weak communism. It was called like the People's Republic of Hungary, but like the People's Republic didn't have like a communist connotation at the time. I think that China is now called the People's Republic, I believe. Don't quote me on that. They're communists, obviously. But at that time, there wasn't a communist connotation. So it was like weak communism. So yeah, the um, leftists a lot. I wrote this down. The leftists a lot. Leftist alliance of the Party of Communists in Hungary and the Hungarian Soviet Democratic Republic. Sorry for me butchering those. They were like, "Hey, no, we want like full communism. Like that's what we want today." And so they had like a coup and they like they did away with the first Hungarian Republic and they introduced Hungarian Soviet Republic and it was at this time that our artist man Bereni Bereni artist man has like I'm assuming like in the story when I'm playing it out artist man he has a sign wrapped around him that says artist man hi nice to meet you I'm artist man no it's a fact he was (laughs) he did do that (laughs) no but um so it was around this time that he left and went to Berlin and mm-hmm. stayed there. And a bunch of Hungarian artists and poets went to Berlin. I was like, oh, to be wealthy and be able to just leave your country when you don't like what's going on. Literally. That is so odd. Like, especially, like, I know Berlin is, like, a very, like, hub for that stuff, but you know, during that time, like we just learned in um, art history today, mm-hmm. a lot of artists moved to um, France and like they studied a lot of um, art over there. So like Berlin is also like a hub for art as well. well. He did so, like, study really... in Paris, but this was oh, pre all of this. This was pre World War One. This was like in his like prime of being in the eight or as I like to call them, the artist Avengers. That's when <laughs> they went to France and they studied art in Paris for a bit, but they came back to oh. This was like way early 20th century, so like early That's 19th. fun. Mm-hmm. They took a little road trip to Berlin. Yeah, so they left, they fled to Berlin, they emigrated to Berlin, and yeah, I feel bad, I can't present you guys with like, I don't know what his feelings were, I'm pretty sure well the hungarian civil republic is definitely communist but the first one was as well i believe so like i don't know what he if he was just fleeing from a stronger you know but like when you have communism you can't really unless you're useful you can't really practice art you know what i mean yeah. it's not a useful thing it's to not have so like maybe... such... sorry i'm cutting you off yeah that's fine I was just saying, like, like the arts, like, poetry, art, the lights are turning off right now. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> no sorry. Um, so, like, the arts weren't known to be just, like, I don't know, 
Like, it just wasn't a useful thing, technically, back in the day, if you think well, about it. Well, I mean, it. under communism, you only, well, the only thing that's valued is what pushes the society forward, in a sense. Exactly. So, unless you're an artist for the government who pushes out propaganda, like, you're oh, not yes, necessary. you're right. Like, you're, you're not, yeah. you're frivolous, <clears throat> you're wasting resources, and you're spending time that you should be working for technically they like to say the government i can go into my flaws on communism because it's good on paper but it can never work in real life we've seen it time and time again but like so maybe that's why i left because i just wanted to know his motive for leaving and i couldn't find it so i'm sorry guys if you guys can find it (laughs) comment on our instagram page because i'd love to read about it yeah and that's what the imagination is for but don't go spread don't go spreading lies that you or misinformation that you do not know because um fake news that's just my thought process behind it as an artist in a heavy communist party maybe that's why he left yeah. i'm sure no I, I i agree with you i like with the facts that you've just given i i can fully understand that perspective so i'm with you on that one so now we're gonna move on to his 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 legacies, and the main one is the sleeping woman with black vase. Let's hear it. Okay, so this honestly, I don't even think was that popular of a painting. I didn't hear anything like like the only reason it has like the only claims to fame it has is seems to be it's so it was lost. And the only claim to fame it has seems to be its rediscovery. Like, no one's really praising it as, like, this valuable piece of work that's gone missing. Like, how a lot of missing art is, you know? It just seems oh, like... Oh, like, with the Mona like, Lisa. You know, he was a leader in pre-World <clears throat> War One. Yeah. Avant-garde work. So, like, it was really important, but it was nothing, like... I don't know. It seemed that the way it was found was cooler. People were more interested in talking about that than the actual painting. Yeah. Um, so it went missing around 1928, and that was when he just came back to Hungary after his stint in Berlin. So, like, after everything I've just disclosed to you guys, like, you could see how it could go missing. Like, there's a lot of unrest, a lot of things going on. And so yeah. it went missing in 1920, and then no one knows how it went missing, but there is a theory that it was bought by a Jewish collector in 1928 in Hungary, but it was abandoned after the Second World War. Yeah. Which we obviously could understand why. Because yeah. during that time period, if you don't know, the Nazis were conquering, they were taking, and they were also taking art because even though they didn't like the people who made it, they liked the art. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there... Was there a movie about a piece of artwork that was taken during World War II? And there, I I think there is a movie, and I can't remember what the name of it is, but it was just like about how they were um, trying trying to track it down and trying to get it back. So that's what that kind of reminded me of. There is all kinds of like I'm sure there's a movie because they literally took everything like there's a big problem in antiquity stealing like for anthropologists and museum careers and things like that there's a big problem in antiquity stealing because it's like how did you acquire that piece so in like modern times and today's it's like there could be a painting but someone could be like that was my family's painting and it was stolen from us in the second world war and now it's in your museum 
but technically that's ours because we never gave it to you it was stolen big like legality on like what what should we do about this situation so if i recall correctly they stole um i don't remember where it was from but there was like a whole golden room i would like to say it was in austria or perhaps it was in russia i don't know i'll have to get back on that because this is also an interesting story they took like a golden room <laughs> like the walls, Did they? Of, the walls are made of gold and before they left it was okay it was in russia it was an amber room and before they left like the people who took care of it they put sheets up on the walls before the nazi regime could fully invade and they thought that perhaps oh, wow. if they t- put sheets up on the walls it would um dissuade them from taking it like they wouldn't see it perhaps but they came back and it was all gone and i don't know <laughs> to this day it's been found there's so many lost treasures that haven't been found that is so crazy yeah and it doesn't surprise me yeah it doesn't surprise me that's in russia (laughs) yeah in the amber room and probably like the 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 stars um palace or whatever okay so our painting our painting goes missing in 1928 it is not found um archivists are like yo where'd that painting go and everyone's like i don't know sam (laughs) it'd be nice if we had it because it is rather important in like art history you know it's it's a step in art history and so this is how we get into its rediscovery so an unhary a hungarian researcher his name was gurgly barky yeah he was he was hungarian so Barbie was a researcher in the Hungary's natural, Hungary's not, oh my god, Hungary, hung, hung, Hungary, thank you, Hungarian, no, he was a researcher in Hungary's natural (laughs) gallery in Budapest, are you listening to me? (laughs) (laughs) He was a researcher, Casey, okay, he was a researcher in Hungary. Oh my gosh! So good. <laughs> my mind. Welcome to my world. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, can't I can't speak either. I when I see words like that, I can't speak. <laughs> it's just not coming out right. I think it's the American accent. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. You got it. You got okay. it. Gergely Varki. <laughs> he was a researcher <laughs> at Hungary's National Gallery in Budapest. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So this man knew about art and specifically Hungarian art. Oh. Um, and I don't know how I want to tell you. Okay, so he, I'll just say, he noticed the painting in a movie in 2009 so this painting went missing in 1928 and he noticed it in the background of a movie in 2009 wait so you're telling me wait okay this researcher this this painting has been missing since 1928 yeah and this man noticed this painting in the back of a movie in 2009 yeah, do you want to know what movie it was? I was about to ask, what movie is it? <laughs> it, was, it was Stuart Little. <laughs> 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 I 
was watching the movie with his daughter in 2009, and there's a scene of the family posing with their adopted <laughs> rat son in the background, a sleeping woman with black face. And he's like, holy <laughs> shit. What a legacy this paint- painting holds so far. I know. <laughs> he's so, and he was like, I almost dropped my daughter out of my <laughs> It's just watching a movie with your daughter, and you're like, "Hold up, hold the damn phone." That is a missing painting from 1928 in this freaking kids movie. Literally, like nine decades, (laughs) and he's like, "He's like, oh, oh, damn." Could you imagine like, that's history <laughs> in the background? It wasn't even like it wasn't even like a blockbuster. So my question is, I don't know if you may get into this or not, but the popularity of this painting, was it like a like a Mona Lisa or like a, like a Van Gogh painting, or was this just like a very like, hey, this painting went missing. We really don't we don't care like if we happen to find it we happen to find it but it's not worth like you know millions of dollars yeah um so like i was saying earlier like nobody really seemed concerned in the with the painting itself but more like how it was discovered and i think that just goes back to being like its position in art culture it was only really important to scholars who understood its importance to the like avant-garde movement but like to the average person it wasn't like they'd go out and be like oh my gosh is that sleeping woman with black face how you would yeah with um like the mona lisa or anything by picasso or van gogh or rita Kahlo or anything like that like you know what i mean yeah that's interesting that, that that's just crazy to me that a painting not that huge this researcher just like just sees it in this movie <laughs> yeah like well I don't know if it's because like to me like I don't like that era of painting like, <laughs> no I do really like the old old but um, like um, you know like the neoclassical and like your uh you know, just like your Renaissance, like your your old old paintings, the Dutch Golden Age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah. So it wasn't anything notable. Like it's not like it was a missing painting, like the Sea of Galilee, and they'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like anyone would be like, "Is that the Sea of Galilee? Is that the stolen painting? Like you know, what I mean? <laughs> or the stone yeah. on the Sea of Galilee? Is that what it's called? So- something like yeah. that." So it's not like it wasn't one of those. It was just like, as a scholar, like as a researcher, as a historian, I appreciate it for its contributions to the art movement (laughs) in general. But the average person wouldn't be like, yo, that's a fine ass painting. And I know exactly which one it is, you know? Yeah. Probably one with like the scream or something. Um. Yeah, so he saw that and he was like, oh shit, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Like, what do you even do? Uh, at this point what our artist man here he's probably dead right yeah it was 2009 that he saw it and he died in 1956 yeah like who do you contact do you contact like a museum do you contact the next to kin like does he have any next to kin like that's really hard to say because if the artist is deceased then 
Well, it's also like it's the movie's <clears throat> property now, and Stuart Little is made oh, in like yeah. and this guy's seeing <laughs> it like a dec a whole decade later in two thousand and nine. So it's like, whoa, what they do with it? It's been ten years. There's no way they just have it in some vault where it's like Stuart Little props, you know? Yeah, that's that's interesting because then if you think about it, it's probably you know how like a lot of movie props get like stowed away in like trailers. Yeah, like they're not lot important. People. Yeah, so I, you know, it would probably if that researcher didn't see it, well again it was a decade later it's probably sitting in a prop uh thing collecting dust or thrown away because yeah it's not like these the props they use or it's not like they knew the value of it exactly and at the time the artist wasn't really known so like you know yeah, like it wasn't a recognizable piece so what he actually did barky the researcher he he reached out to Sony Pictures and Columbia Films. They were the ones who produced the movie. And he yeah. kind of explained to them the situation. He was like, hey, y'all have a, a missing, like, painting in the background of your <laughs> little movie. And I just think that's so funny because, like, I'm sure Sony Pictures and them, like, do not care about Stuart Little as much as like their other <laughs> No, absolutely not. <laughs> For them, they'd probably be like, Stuart Little fan mail. Like, like what's that? <laughs> Uh, a decade later, a decade later. <laughs> it took them two years to reply to him shut up no you're kid- two years I mean I guess that they got other shit going on but come on <laughs> I know that's why they and have assistance exactly but I did I don't know I, how much mail do they get though like why did it take so long? But when he finally did get a reply, it was from the former set designer of Stuart Little. Could you imagine that set designer like getting a forward from her like boss man and being like, "Yeah, this historian wants like you had like a painting in where is it?" She'd be like, "What?" And be like, "Uh, I I I think I tossed it." Exactly. Like it'd be like, "I have no, I didn't even remember the painting." So, um, she told uh, Barky, if that's how you say it, maybe Baraki, Barky, that um, she just had it hanging on the the wall in her apartment for, like, a really long time. No, she didn't. Yes, because she found it at, like, an antique shop in Pasadena, California. Stop it. Mm -mm. Wow. I know, isn't that crazy? She got it at, like, like, a flea market. In Pasadena, California, like how did it get there? Like that's crazy. She, she, I, I, I wish that she knew the price that she paid for it because I guarantee you, if it was at like a, what did you say it was at, like an antique store? Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't selling for that much. Mm-mm. No, I, I doubt it. Like they probably didn't know what it was, or even if they knew, maybe thought it was a replication because how is an antique? store in Pasadena gonna have the proper that is very resources true. on hand to understand that this is an original and not a fake. Yeah. Very true. Um yeah, so she had it for a bit. She said that she thought the avant-garde elegance would be perfect for Stuart Little's living room. <laughs> <laughs> oh Stuart Little. Um after uh. it was done being used at Sony in the production of Stuart Little, she sold it to a private collector 
And that private collector brought it to auction for sale in Budapest, Hungary. So he brought it back to Budapest. Oh, good. So, I mean, it found its home. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was sold. Really sold. It wasn't. <laughs> I love how I'm about to say it wasn't even that expensive of a painting. It was only like $200,000. but if if you know if you know art history you know how much paintings get sold for especially like modern and contemporary art right now like contemporary art like artists are making like three million four million like like that is nothing compared to what art is being sold for now yeah i just mean for like a piece of his like for like it being kind of old and stuff. I don't know. It was just like only two hundred. It was two hundred like eighty four thousand. I'm like only two hundred eighty four thousand. Yeah, that's not that much. That in USD. That's USD. But no, okay. It was yeah. like one million in like what do they use in Hungary? Starts with K. Hungarian something starts with K. Um, I don't know. But still, for us, that's only two hundred and four thousand dollars. Which I think yeah. was surprisingly low for, like, which just proves that it clearly wasn't that big of a deal to everyday people. But it's his. I guess no one cares. But it's history. And, like, I don't think art collectors care that it was found in the Sony Classic Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine telling somebody that. Yeah, because I was about to be like, but like it was so cool how it was found, and I'm like, I don't think some like like snotty art collector who spent mm-hmm. hundred on it no. would be like, this was found in Stuart Little, you know, the 1999 classic. <laughs> <laughs> Where like to us that's like a masterpiece, but just like some art collector, it's just another stupid ass movie. They probably have never heard of it before. I would <laughs> love to have a fancy piece of art that was also featured in. Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the title of this episode: "Painting Coming from Stuart Little?" Question mark. Question mark. A YouTube video. Not clickbait. <laughs> Not clickbait. You won't believe this. So that's the end of our tale. But like a side. Wait, thing, is- oh yeah. I was about to say. Wait, really? Yeah, it was returned to Hungary. It was sold for two hundred thousand and. And that that's that. <laughs> wow. It's rediscovered now. People we know where it's at. And I I you know what? I I'm glad that, you know, it it, it found its way back to Budapest mm-hmm. because like I think that's really important, especially for art, to stay connected to um its culture. So and especially if like I don't know again, I don't know what the painting looks like, but if the painting is like solely based in the area and the culture that our artist man grew up in. I think that's really, it, that's a really important, an important connection. So I, I'm, I'm glad that it ended good. Yeah. I'd like to see it with the <clears throat> person who bought it. Cause like the man made art to sell <laughs> like, and a collector yeah. bought it in 1928. So like, that's another thing. I don't think it was like such a groundbreaking piece. I think it was just like this artist made this painting with this technique and we can appreciate the technique because it was a prominent technique at the time and he was one of the yeah. people who kind of spearheaded the technique. But in 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 reality it wasn't anything like it wasn't anything crazy. They're like extravagant. Or like meaningful. 
<laughs> like, yeah. Now, dude, you know how some artists are like, this represents my inner turmoil. <laughs> Literally, Frida Kahlo to a T. All her artwork has some kind of symbolism about her life and the struggles that she went through every single day. <laughs> Artists be like, literally, here's my trauma on a canvas. Um, I have a fun fact about him. Oh, okay, our the artist man artist. or the yeah, okay, our artist okay. man. <laughs> so when he was in Berlin. He so he dated an actor, a German actor, Marlene Dietrich, and I guess she was popular. But that's not even the spicy part. The spicy part is that he was rumored to have had a fling with Anastasia, and you know what Anastasia I'm talking about? Russia's last star, Nicholas II's daughter, Anastasia, the only surviving daughter of the Romanovs or whatever. Yeah, thought that was pretty cool of our man. Ooh, he uh, he was getting around, huh? Mm-hmm. With a with a Russian Russian princess. If it was so, her. I don't. Yeah. So. So our artist man did. I'm assuming he made a lot of other work. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say because I was gonna ask if you knew if any of his like pieces got popular or like if he sold artwork like I like I don't know I don't know if he knew any of that or not I mean like his stuff's recognizable but I don't think it's anything like just imagine just imagine that you you passed away before you knew that your artwork got lost in 1928 and then like nine decades later it ended up in the background of a Stuart Little movie and then it was given to a collector and then it was sold and brought back to Budapest for like what $200,000 you said mm-hmm. so like that's kind of sad in a, in a way because like he didn't know like in a way he was kind of successful <laughs> I don't know if he cared. <laughs> like, obviously, yeah. I mean, he probably didn't. I'm sure it was great for like Hungarian press. Yeah, because like since when like, you hear about Hungarian artists, not a lot. And I mean, that's the reality of it, right? Yeah, because most masters are produced out of certain Big, places. Yeah, like. Not inner city, but big. Because a lot of them move to cities and they study under other artists. Here's you know a picture of it. Would you send it to me on Snap or? Oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Right behind it. It's right on the mantle. That is such an it interesting piece to have especially on a mantle it's ugly i'm not gonna lie i it's hate like really a art like that i like you know really, and it, really... it just reminds me of like a painting again it's like a painting you would pick up at an antique store or like i don't know like a thrift store and you're like oh this is really nice and then you just hang it up that's what it reminds oh, me of. i would never buy that i would never buy no. that even at an antique store i just hate art no like i hate expression well to a certain degree, but I prefer. 
I can tolerate impressionism. I prefer realism. That's just me. I prefer realism too. I'm I'm with you there. I like Peter I like Paul surrealism Rubens. as well. I like Peter Paul Rubens. He's a good yeah artist. Man, Samson and Delilah. They're good pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we sit here for like another forty five minutes speaking about the artists and the pe- uh, art pieces. <laughs> That's the end of my tale. My tumultuous tumultuous tale. No quiz. Oh shit! We do that. I'll quiz you. I'll quiz you. Oh, <laughs> but it's gonna be a history quiz that I can pull off the top of my head um, with all the facts that I know. Okay. Um, oh boy, this is not gonna go good on my part. <laughs> okay, we'll start with easy one. Who was the lead in the 1999 classic Stuart Little? <laughs> I don't know his name, Stuart Little. What is his name? I don't know. <laughs> 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 his name's in the title that was like me asking you who's the main that's what i said in the 1991 classic i thought i thought you asked the actor not the main, oh, character. The main character sorry Stuart little i thought you said main actor and that's why i said oh i don't know sorry <laughs> that one's Stuart little <laughs> my bad it's a long day, okay? I lost my room key. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. Um, so what sparked, like, what prompted World War One? What was what's widely considered oh. the catalyst of World War One? Oh boy, you got it. You got um, it. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think here. Um. Um. Hmm. Who was in World War? Who who started World War One? This is what I'm asking. You. What started World War One? <laughs> What's the uh, Oh wait, didn't someone didn't someone shoot someone like a like a leader? Who was and it? It's, uh, um um. <sighs> it starts with an F. Oh my gosh, you're so good at this. Keep going. Is it? Um, I can't remember where he ruled at, but is his name Ferdinand? Oh my gosh, you're so smart. It was Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Wait, Archduke Ferdinand. Oh, yep, yep, that's it. Yep. I, I, I was trying to think back to um 10th grade or 11th grade <laughs> world history, <laughs> and I was trying to think of that, so... Wow, I can't believe I just pulled that out of my head because I am not very good with remembering history. I am things. surprised. I'm very impressed with you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Franz Ferdinand <laughs> was the Archduke. He was the heir to the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. So that's how uh, uh-huh. our Hungarian boys are looped into it. And then yeah. speaking of, so like I read this. This is really fun. I'm not. It's not a quiz anymore because I read this on my <laughs> rabbit hole down Hungarian politics. And so you know, World War One ended with the Paris Treaty or Treaty of Paris, whatever. Yeah, at Versailles, right? Yep. And so we had to strong arm Hungary into signing that 
because they wanted to annex like all of the surrounding like like Slovakia and like all of the surrounding areas and they were we were like like the U.S. is like dog you can't just like do that <laughs> like, you yeah can't just, like you take all these countries <laughs> so they had to they self-disarmed themselves so they like personally were like we're gonna dissolve our military which ended poorly for them in the long yeah. run yeah but they did that huh. and I just thought it was interesting that because everyone's like oh Hungary's so unproblematic I'm like nah <laughs> yeah everyone's you know, got spicy history so like with World War One, it's really crazy because I feel like between World War World War One and World War Two, I feel like World War Two like obviously is like I think not way more known because they both are known, but like I feel like more shit went down in World War Two than what happened in World War One. If that yeah, makes World War like, World War One was like the first book, and World War Two is like this like yeah. the series hitter finale, like. World War One was like Infinity War. I mean, World War One, World War Two was like Infinity War. Because I don't like Inf- Endgame, and anyone, I'll die on that hill. Endgame was. They didn't think that. I think I like the first hour and a half of Endgame before shit gets sad. I like the end of Endgame. I hate the beginning of Endgame. It doesn't oh. make sense. We can't go into this. We can't go into it. I really don't have the brain capacity right now to go into it. We make a whole new podcast based on um, movie opinions. <laughs> we can just kind of end it here. I forgot about the quiz. I'm such a, I'm a, I'm a No, it's okay. Listen, listen. It is our first time back in, what, five months, four months at least. Give us a little slack here, you know? Well, we're, um, I wouldn't necessarily say we're off hiatus right now. This is just like, hey, we got some free time. Let's, let's record an episode. Yeah, so we got, what, two, three more weeks? And then hopefully Bailey and I will get, like, a cool, like, new studio space and we can up our equipment and then, and then... We'll be on some hot shit. Okay, I found a World War One quiz, and we can take it together. Oh my! <laughs> we'll take okay. it together. Oh my god! Okay. What? What was? What were? Okay. What three European countries signed the alliance called the Triple Entente? Is this the alliance that they did at the end? <laughs> Is this the thing that they signed? No. No. Oh my god! What three countries? Yeah. Um, well, the one would have to be, what was the Duke from Austria, you said? Austria-Hungary, yeah. I, I would say that's the one. One. Two would be, I don't know. <laughs> you want to, you want to, how about you take the reins from here? History okay. woman. I believe it was okay. So well, maybe I can, it's multiple choice. I'll give us our options: Germany, oh, Russia, oh, Italy. Oh. <laughs> I'm so oh. sorry. Germany, Russia, <laughs> Italy. Italy, Austria, Poland, France, Britain, Russia, France, Spain, Netherlands, Austria, Germany, Italy. Ooh. Now this is an alliance. Would you like to form an alliance? 
Alliance? Was there one? What was the one with Britain? There was Britain, France, and Russia. And that was it. Oh. Okay. I Austria. So it has to be Austria, Germany. Which ones can we... Which ones has Austria and Germany? Only the only last one. Austria, Germany, and Italy. Okay, I'm marking my answer down for that one. Okay, I'm actually going to mark my answer down for uh, Russia, France, and Britain. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm wrong, then. We'll see. I'll just put... I mean, I know... Okay, it was Russia, France, and Britain, <laughs> but... Right. I liked your train of thought with that, though. Because... Because if it, Austria and then Germany, I just kind of guessed at the last one because Italy makes no damn sense. <laughs> I didn't think Italy was at all because, like, Italy played more into play with uh, World War Two than what it probably did in World War One. Yeah, they had the Axis allies in there. They had, like, Germany, Russia, and Italy. Oh, damn, you're right. <laughs> trying to throw us off. Okay, question two. What is it called when a country expand? Ex- what is it called Whoa. when a country expands its influence and power into a larger empire? Deep, 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 despotism. Okay, communism, socialism, imperialism, absolutism. Oh no! It's all the isms. So what is it called when a country expands its influence and power into a larger empire? Well, it's not imperialism. It's I not... I thought it was imperialism. Is it imperial? No, you're right, it is. I, You know what I thought of? Huh. I thought of Star Wars. <laughs> like empire? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, I think it's imperialism. Okay, okay. I was like, bro, I think it is. I think it was. I don't no. Know, I can't tell if I answered right. Which two countries have become wealthy through creating vast worldwide empires? Britain and France, Germany and France, Russia and Britain, Russia and Germany, Germany and Britain. We know Britain. Britain's in like every answer. Yeah, I was going to say, my God, I want to say Germany again, but I don't know. Is it Russia? Well, Russia? You know, I thought Russia, but do they really have an M? Well, they, I guess the Russian Empire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, we're doing yeah. World War One quiz, so this is before the fall of the of family. with the uh, yeah I yeah. So it's, I, think right. it's, I think it's I think mean, you put down Russia and Britain. Russia and Britain. Yeah. Yeah. What okay. Okay. Single event triggered the start of World War One. I. I hate when they say this because it wasn't a single event. <sighs> No, no, it was on more... a tangent again. It was leading up. It was it was animosity that was brooding, and then finally, the catalyst, the thing that tipped the scales, was the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. And he already exactly. That, so I'll put that down. I just hate when everyone's <laughs> like, "That's what started it." I'm like, "No, it didn't. There was like no I... bad blood." There's like everything. Like, there's multiple things that lead up to everything. There's not always like one solid thing, you know. Okay, so who was um, Archduke Ferdinand? The leader of Germany's armed forces, the future Tsar of Russia, the heir to the throne of Austria-Hungary, the British ambassador to Germany, the leader of the French government. Well, I think that one's kind of a... Yeah. What, what we know already, too. <laughs> okay, the next one. 
What country declared war on Serbia at the very start of World War One? I'm assuming oh. Austria. Hungary. Oh, okay. So our answers are Germany, Russia, Italy, France, Austria, Hungary. I think it's Austria, Hungary. I also agree with you. Why do some historians believe that Germany wanted to start World War One? Oh, yes. Okay, I know this. So one, Germany felt that the war was going to happen. Germany felt surrounded by enemies. Germany felt that the sooner the war had, the better chance they had. The sooner the war began, the better chance they had. Interesting. I think so. Our option are we also have all of the above and none of the above? Oh, I don't. I really don't think it's the one they thought they had more of a chance the sooner it started, or whatever that one was. I. I don't know. See, I feel like maybe because they were in a good position at that time. I think. Uh, uh, well, yeah, because if you think about it, like, probably the top two, other than Austria at the time, who probably had a lot of, um, you know, not, like, a lot of budget, but just, like, a lot of, you know, uh, they were able to put in a lot for their military, right? Was Britain and Germany. So that they were probably stocked up on a lot of stuff. So they, the sooner it started, the more they felt, you know, secured. Mm. I don't know. What are the first two? They were surrounded by enemies and they felt that what was going to happen. I don't know, maybe... I don't know, because I can get on brand with, like, I can get on board with Germany felt surrounded by enemies, per se. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what if it's none of the above? What if it's all of the above? <laughs> if... I need to brush up on my history. You know what? I'll go with whatever you want to go with, because we're both, like, just guess. Educated guess. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say okay. Germany felt the war was going to happen. Germany felt okay with us knowing that tensions were already building, so I could see Germany just kind of being like, "Let me tip the scale." Maybe Germany felt surrounded by enemies. I I don't know necessarily by enemies. I know that they were like rallying, like they were getting ready for World War Two. Yeah, Germany felt that the sooner the war began, the better chance. I don't know. So I'm trying to think. Something had to do with money. There's something to do with money. I can't tell if it's... I'm it not... has to be the... Go ahead. No, I don't know. Just guess. It's okay. It's not an actual quiz. I don't want to fail. This is what I do. So I'm going to say all the above for shit. Okay. Which okay. side of the United States was on? Which what side was the United States on at the start of the war? Germany and Austria, Whoa. Britain and France. The United States was neutral at the start of the war. All of the above. Wasn't it Britain and France? Well, I know that was for I... World War One. Aren't we talking about World War One? I? I mean World War Two. Oh my God, I'm getting the two confused. No, me too. When was the Zimmerman telegram? Because I think we were neutral until was the Zimmerman Telegram World War One or World War Two? Well, no, because we we talked about this in Project Fantasia. 
we talked about because that one was in World War II, and we discussed that no, U.S. was in I don't tr- think it was World War. World War II was not the Zimmerman because that was World War One. We were neutral because the Zimmerman note was for World War One because Pearl Harbor was for World War Two. That was what was the catalyst. So I'm gonna say we were yes, neutral, but we were. Okay. Secret- I think we were secretly helping. That's what you said in Project Fantasia. You said that the U.S. was secretly helping Great Britain during the war with giving supplies. But in the start of the war, we technically were telling the world that we were didn't want any part of it. Y- yeah, if we got it, we'd finish it. We we finish it. <laughs> we'd start. Yeah. So I'm gonna say that they were unaffiliated either. Also, um, shameless plug for Project Fantasia. That is our second episode that we produced in the first episode of the history series. Please listen to it. I think it's a really good uh, story. (laughs) Okay, which of the following was the cause that contributed to the start of World War I? Imperialism, secret alliances, politics, national pride, all of the above. I'm going to say all of the above. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say all of the above as well. World War One was how many questions? Fought. We're on the tenth question. World War One was mostly fought between the countries of what continent? Africa, Asia, Europe, North America, South America. I'm gonna say Europe. I'm gonna say Europe as well. Do it. Oh man, what two countries have become oh. wealthy through the through the creating of? Oh, I should have known this. Now that I think about it, that makes me. So we got the first one right. What three European countries were aligned in the alliance called the Triple Entente? It was France, Britain, and Russia. Is it called when a country expands its influence and power into a large empire? Imperialism. Which two countries had become wealthy through the creating of vast worldwide empires? We said Russia and Britain. It was Britain and France. How did I not know it was Britain and France? Half of our country was owned by France. I mean, we have New Orleans. We have oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> when did... Oh, my God, you're right. We we bought... Didn't we... The Louisiana purchase is from, like, the French. French. The yeah, Louisiana. wait, when when was the Louisiana... When was the Louisiana purchase? 1909... Was it... Early 19th, early 20th century? I don't know. I think. We can talk about Louisiana purchase. That's such a funny little story. Such a funny little story. We really ripped them off, but they did. They they let us have it. We got a good deal. We didn't rip them off. We got a good deal. I was about to say. I think that was a really good deal that we got for it. Cause yeah, cause they were like, it was a whole thing. It's really funny. I can explain it. It's funny. It's a funny little thing. Um, what single event triggered the start of World War One? The assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. Who was he? The heir to the throne of Austria Hungary. What country declared war on Serbia? It was Austria-Hungary because they shot, you know. Why do some historians believe Germany wanted to start World War One? One, <laughs> the great, the answer was all of the above. Which side of the United States was the war on? It was neutral. What was the following causes of World War One? We said all of the above was correct. Last one we said Europe, and it was correct. So we only know one wrong. Britain and France. Wow. Russia and France. Sorry for putting disrespect <laughs> on your name, Rush. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. Damn. We really appreciate you guys uh, being patient with us. Like uh, we said earlier, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're back 
or we're off hiatus. We probably still will be for like another two, three weeks until we are completely done with this semester, which is very, very soon. Um, we are planning to do some very awesome things. I'm really excited to get back into it. I, I don't know about you, but yeah, I've been missing the pod. Yeah, I actually have half of my research done. I started it like back in December and I never finished it because we were going to put out your other episode you did, but that episode completely was corrupted, which I'm still upset about. But um, yeah, you got any ending notes you want to end with? I have to redo that episode for the people. Yes, <laughs> yes, for the people. I don't even remember much much of it, so it will be a nice little refresher for me. It was but, long, but in a good way. It was funny. Yeah, it was. It was a funny story. I like this one. It was a very nice um art history. Yeah, I was about to say I kind of diverted. We've been doing a lot of military stuff, a lot of like government, like well, well it was still kind of a little bit of World War One in there, but yeah, uh, I liked it that art. you expanded out to oh, art. Maybe. maybe we talk about maybe we talk about. We do a mini episode. I'll talk about the origins of DreamWorks. No one look it up. I just give no it up. It's a funny little thing. You don't want to delete this whole yeah. thing. Or they don't get to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> um, we really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope that you guys are excited for um, us to be back. Um, season one. I-, I think this is season one, and I think we're going to wrap it up soon for season one. What do you think? Do we have to have a theme? Like, do people just, we can just do our thing. <laughs> no, no, no. We, get to, we just get to do our thing. We can just wrap up season one. And I think that if we have, like, an even number, like, if we end on, like, six and then, like, continue on, like, okay. to whatever. But well, the end of season um, now we can actually take a break. Because there's always a break in between seasons. Yeah, you're right. So, like, I think season one should just, I'm thinking that it can end, uh, around our one year anniversary well oh do you want to end it now like 10 episodes hello everyone you're probably wondering why you're getting this weird ending to this episode and that is because um while bailey and i were concluding the last bit of this episode we were running into some technical difficulties with glitches and we had an unwanted could be ghost friend that was interfering in between the glitches so um as insane as that sounds um bailey and i both think it's crazy when we speak about it but um yeah um we couldn't really end it properly because the audio just kind of stopped on its own i don't know if it was a glitch with anchor to which we record our podcast on or what it was it just kind of stopped without us doing a proper outro So, um, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get me doing the proper outro. (laughs) Um, I also apologize for my audio on this episode. I broke my other set of earbuds that I would use to record with that had the built-in mic, but, um, I broke them, like I said, and I had to use my headphones and the built-in mic sucked and I just realized I had a cord with a mic attached to it that I could plug into my headphones to which I'm using now. Excuse me, so that is why um, the audio is probably a lot better in this clip, so I apologize for that. Um, Just a little tidbit again, 
we are on a hiatus still. This is just a little filler until we're fully back in about two, three weeks. So just be patient with us in between then as we're finishing up our semester at school. Um, yeah, so thank you for tuning in, guys. We really appreciate the support and the listens. Um, we got a whole bunch of new conspiracies and history events lined up in the future for this summer. Um, the possibility we were talking about at the end is concluding season one here soon or having this conclude season one. We're not entirely sure yet. Um, if so, this could be the end of season one. And we appreciate your support. So thank you again um, for listening. And this concludes our episode of the KB Chronicles, the series of outlandish events.